seconds to play. Oh, by the way. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Game seven is over. It's an instant classic. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A three for the game. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. Very good Wednesday to you, T.C. Martin, along with Ballpark Frank, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, here all week long. Traditionally, of course, our Friday home. But, yeah, we're hanging out here all week, having a great time inside the William Hill Sportsbook at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Come on by, say hello. College basketball on the docket here, starting at 4 o'clock. NBA exhibition as well, too. And, of course, we've got plenty of college football coming your way on Friday and Saturday. And, of course, the NFL is going to be having a three-day weekend, so to speak, as we are back to NFL action on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. We'll break all that down for you. And Thursday, of course. And Thursday as well, too. There you go. Make it, make it a four-day? Really? Are you sure I about know. that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Steve Berline will join us today, the former quarterback, the former Panther quarterback, the Raider, a long NFL career, and has been with CBS doing the NFL football game analysts and college football as well, too. Steve Berline, our good friend, he will join us a little bit later on. Scott Spritzer as well as we start handicapping the college football weekend with all of the championship games. So Scott Wins joins us today. And uh, also uh, Curtis Perry, the former UNLV running rebel guard, he will join us in uh, he currently does a fantastic job on the UNLV Basketball Radio Network as the color analyst. So we look forward to that. So uh, strong guest-packed show here today at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas talking college hoops, college football, and the NFL. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, whatever you want to talk about uh, as well, too. So Ballpark Frank, what is going on, my friend? Another day here at the Cosmopolitan inside the Sportsbook as uh, we get ready for uh, some more games coming your way tonight. But really looking forward to a, a fun-filled weekend. And I know we touched upon this the last couple days. This is a weekend that I've always loved for, for so many reasons because college football, at its finest, has the conference championship games, and it's the final weekend for teams to try to get themselves in position to get into the college football playoff. And as you see today, in memory of the Las Vegas Bowl, which traditionally is this weekend, it's not this year, but uh, I'm missing the Las Vegas Bowl. But I am looking forward to all the conference championship games, but I still, for the life of me, cannot figure out why we still have 20 other college football games besides those. Uh, you know, I, I think I added them up the other day because I remember when we were talking with Numchuck last week about it, and there actually are still 35 bowl games that are listed that are being played. I don't know how there's that many with all the games that have been canceled. So it, it's kind of weird. It's kind of strange. We know the Las Vegas Bowl has been canceled. We know the L.A. Bowl, a new bowl, has been canceled. And you mentioned the Las Vegas Bowl, and it's normally this weekend. Well, of course, this year it was going to be a lot later. So it's more of a premier bowl a little bit now as they've upped the ante with the teams involved and at Allegiant Stadium. So we'll have to wait for next year for that. But it, it is kind of weird. Like you said, it's a weekend that you normally look forward to, but it's also a weekend that we can only have in 2020, at least at this point of our of our lives. We have conference championships going on, but yet other games in the conferences at the same time as the conference championship games. Mm -hmm. We have the Commander-in-Chief trophy being decided, 
with Air Force and Army because Army Navy's already been played. Exactly. So, I mean, it, nothing makes sense. Yeah. Everything's discon, you know, it's discombobulated. And I don't know about you, but one of the main things I'm doing this weekend is I'm just crossing my fingers that everything actually takes place. Yes. We've seen college basketball canceled all over the place. We know that at least one other game, Michigan, once again, will not play their final game either. So I think that's now three in a row that they're sitting out. So that's one Big Ten game that won't be played. We know the Pac-12 is a joke with USC playing a team that's going to be 3-2 and two for the championship <laughs> because the Huskies are out. So, again, we have the slate of games here, and you're looking at them, and I'm just going... Please let us have as many as possible. Yes. Because I don't trust anything. And you can't, like, we're, we keep on saying, well, you wait to make your picks until the final moment you can. There, there's literally games being canceled sometimes right before kickoff. Mm -hmm. I know. And so I'm counting the games as we're speaking here. And I have, we have a total of, of a little over 20 games, but there have been some more cancellations and we'll just run down the postponement cancellation what a shocker and, and, yeah <laughs> and, and and here's one for you I don't, I don't understand why we're i'm having it says here that wake forest and louisville is postponed postponed to what they can't play after this weekend this is the last weekend <laughs> postponed so, until 2021 yeah it could be exactly <laughs> but here's an, here's another game that has gotten canceled and we've seen this with this team vanderbilt was supposed to play georgia this weekend vanderbilt played last week but now they're back, I guess, on the COVID list. So Vandy and Georgia not playing. And that was a game that was supposed to be played before that was postponed till this date. Right. So. Unless I'm uh, I'm, I'm missing yeah. something here. But, no, that, that, that game. Because a lot of times they'll list games that were previously right. postponed or canceled. But, no, they are not playing this weekend. Yeah, I, I thought I had read that as well. Okay. So, so Georgia is ranked eighth in the country. And as we saw Florida fall by the wayside last week from the undefeated, this was going to be a game where Georgia could garner some style points and try to get to a New Year's Day bowl game and probably can't crack the top four. But at least, you know, they were number eight. We've seen people move up into the top four from the seven and eight position in years past, but they won't have a chance. And we know they were going to be a huge favorite against Vandy, but they will not get the opportunity to play. Georgia Tech Miami. Uh, that game is canceled. Arizona in Cal, Michigan and Iowa, which you mentioned, canceled. And then, uh, of course, now Oregon was supposed to play Colorado, but Oregon got elevated up to play in the Pac-12 championship game. As crazy as that sounds, because USC was scheduled to play Washington. Washington, the winners of the Pac-12 North. USC, the winners of the South. But Washington, not enough scholarship players available. Oregon steps in. And Oregon has lost to Cal. They've lost to Oregon State, but they are in the Pac-12 championship game. So I mentioned this yesterday. I, I can't figure this out. Does, how, is, how are the history books going to be written here for the Pac-12? Because if, if I guess Oregon wins, they are going to be deemed the conference champion, even though they were not supposed to be in this championship game. They didn't qualify, but then they get bumped up. And then again, it's like just because they have more games and have one more victory than Oregon State and Cal, who they lost to, either one of those teams should be would probably be a better representative. Now, nothing against Oregon. We know Oregon's a, a pretty good team, but they have not looked good this year in those losses that, that I mentioned. So... Very strange. Well, yeah, and, and certainly it's not the, the Ducks team that we've seen in the past or for the last few years in that. Um, I, again, now they've been hit with some injury and COVID in that as well. But like we also touched on yesterday, the Big Ten is getting all sorts of flack for letting Ohio State at 5-0 and in their championship game because they've only played five games. 
The, the Ducks are three and two. They've played five games and they've lost two of them. Yeah. We're not, and, ha- they're, and they're still in a championship yeah. game. We're not having that conversation anymore. No one's bringing that up anymore. Yeah. That was the hot button topic last week. Oh, five and zero. Oh. So now Ohio State's looking yeah. pretty good at five I, and zero. Oh. I, I guess it's because the Pac-12 can't go to the Final Four, so people don't care as much. But yeah. but it is kind of weird how different scenarios and everything else are are like you know, are what they are in this day and age. But we also did touch on it, too, in the past. The bottom line is the Pac-12 and Big Ten put themselves in these situations by starting so late, by not letting teams make up games going out of conference to find something. Remember, right at the start of the season, we had teams that were looking to play somebody outside of the conference when their games were canceled, and the the Big Ten said no to them. So, you know, they have really done it to themselves, and we are where we are now. Another team, I believe, that's kind of interesting, I think Cincinnati, didn't they just moved to number five in the polls because they jumped over Florida and and now they're playing the game that was canceled last week. I think they play they play, they play well, they're playing Tulsa in the championship game. Now, that, that game was already set. They, right, no, they I, I know that was set, but, but, yeah. but they would have literally played them back-to-back weeks Correct. if last week's game would have taken place. Correct. So last week's game is canceled, and now they're still playing for the championship game. Right. But it's a big game for them. But if last week's game was canceled, do we know what the status of this week's really is? I mean, is there still COVID issues or something? Is there a chance that that conference championship game could be canceled? We haven't heard anything yet, but if, if there's a protocol and there's quarantine that has to be done, if last week's was canceled, I believe last week was only seven days ago. It's correct. Again, the same two teams that were involved here, and they are going to play that game at 5 o'clock coming on Saturday, Tulsa and Cincinnati. Cincinnati, a 14-and-a-half point favorite, but you bring up a, a great point there. If uh, if that was seven days ago, then I guess things are okay or some people got cleared off the COVID list. But see, that is the problem with college football. And we're seeing in college basketball as well, and we're going to transition that. When we talk to Curtis Terry here at the bottom of the hour talking about the UNLV situation, you just don't – the college programs, whether it's football, basketball, or whatever, they're not giving you who is positive, which players. And I don't know if that's part of a HIPAA violation. With pros, we, we find out, you know, the names of people. But we don't know if it's staff members, if it's actually coaches. Uh, but then, you know, in some instances, we'll find out with, with uh, you know, coaches will, will give a player's name or we'll find out a coach actually has tested positive. Then we hear about that. So And it seems to change from so conferences as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like you're talking about, like we all knew immediately that Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing for, for a little while. And, and that, that's the number one team in the country in the ACC. Yet, when Miami of Florida was playing in a game, and I actually used that in one of my best bets and somehow had to manage to cover, we didn't know that 15 players were already out of that game and they almost had to cancel the game right before kickoff. We've seen Florida State cancel games right before kickoff two weeks in a row. Alabama never tells us anything what's going on down there. So, and again, like you mentioned, some conferences have a seven-day period. Some have a 10-day period. The Big Ten has a 21-day quarantine right. mandatory. So I don't know what's going on. I, I do know this. Ohio State in this game against Northwestern. If there's truly a 21-day quarantine, and Ohio State just a couple weeks ago had 25 players that had COVID, who's playing, in the, who's playing against Northwestern? Yeah. yeah. Another game in the uh, Big Ten that, uh, that is canceled this week is Purdue-Indiana. That's an old traditional game, the old oak and bucket there. And Indiana, obviously, is another team like Georgia. They would like to play. They would like to get uh, some more style points to earn themselves the, the best possible bowl they can. But uh, their game, you know, canceled this weekend as well, too. Um, and, and you mentioned, too, there, when, when you're talking about Indiana would like to get style points, and, of course, they had a real good start to the season. Then, unfortunately, their quarterback went down. But, you know, 
all these teams that are now going to be bowl eligible, and this year even that's they, they've you know they've lessened the restraints and everything to make it to a bowl because of all this craziness going on here. But how many bowls out there right now are looking at teams and going, all right, well these are the two teams we're picking. Are they all going to have alternate teams waiting around to see what happens? With, with, especially with teams that are New Year's Day bowls or later than that or something? I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Two teams that are playing this weekend could be ineligible next weekend or the weekend after that or whenever. It's like just, I don't know how you get these bowls ready to go. When do you bring them in town? Do you bring them in town? Does every bowl team sit in a bubble in whatever city they're in? Well, this whole bowl situation is, is crazy. Now, we, when we had John Sassenti, the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl, on a couple of weeks ago, I mean, they were one of the first to go ahead and cancel their bowl game. And it's too bad because, again, that bowl game was going to be on New Year's Eve. It was going to be moved off of, you know, it was basically two weeks later where, where it normally is. And in the Legion Stadium, and especially with the conference affiliations that they have now, along with the Pac-12 and the SEC and, and the Big Ten, and we were going to get this marquee bowl game, and they were very quick to eliminate. And, and I don't understand completely because this is a place here in, in Nevada where the casinos and the hotels are, are still open. Uh, a lot of the restaurants are still open in, in other cities and other states. It, it's not. But as we've seen from the beginning when the NFL was going to hold the draft here, quickly canceled. Uh, Raiders made that decision with Mark Davis not to have any fans where other NFL teams have decided, okay, we'll have a limited number of fans, but that was off the table. And we've seen, you know, the Las Vegas Bowl canceled, other events, the NFR, which is a staple here and a huge, huge moneymaker here uh, for the city as well too, uh, moved to the state of Texas. And it just seems that a lot of people would think, okay, well, maybe they can play in Las Vegas, but no one is is playing here, and uh, it's a, it's it's a, it's a shame. It really is a shame. But well, I just don't know about the bowl games in general because no one is talking about it. And you're saying that there's still 34, 35 of these bowl games are still be played. That that's how many are it's, listed. It's it, it's crazy because at this point in time already, we've already got a a good amount of teams that are already committed to it. Normally, like I said, the Las Vegas Bowl would be taking place this coming Saturday. So after the college football does their uh, their announcement of their playoff teams, which will be Sunday afternoon. Then I imagine we're going to have we will hear all of these bowl games announced. But when are they going to be played? Like you said, I don't think a lot of these can be played at their normal times because you're going to need more time to arrange travel if there are going to be fans and that sort of thing. I think we may have a lot of these bowl games played after New Year's Day. We might have that scenario. The other thing that we might see happen is we might see a bowl name two teams and then one of the teams somehow, and I don't know how the, the contracts for all this stuff would go, but is it a possibility, like we talked about, Oregon was supposed to play Colorado this week. Well, they got a better offer getting able to play the, for the Pac-12 championship. What if a bowl team is playing in the humanitarian bowl, just to right. throw a name out there, and all of a sudden a bigger bowl says, well, wait a second, one of our teams can't play. We want you to come over here and play this. Are we going to see teams bouncing out of bowl games to go to a bigger, better, more prestigious bowl with more prize money or bigger swag bags for the kids and that kind of stuff? Are bowls going to have alternate teams in that too? Or once you locked in, are you going to be locked in? Is there going to be different wording in the contracts this year? I don't know what's going to happen. And, and, and that's the thing. Nobody does, and, and I don't know if there's a contingency plan for all that kind of stuff. Just because a bowl names two teams this year doesn't mean those two teams are playing. Right. And from a financial standpoint as well, 
a lot of these bowls are life and death to make money anyway. And the only way these bowls make money is if, you know, again, they have the, the ESPN television you know, rights. But you also have the live gates. And, you know, again, we have seen bowls that get attracted to certain schools, certain conferences, because we hear this, well, let's get Wisconsin. They travel well. Uh, traditionally, Michigan, they travel well. Uh, a BYU, they do as well, too. So these guys are always fighting for these type of schools. But like I said, under this scenario, what are you going to do? But you don't have a live gate. You are only banking on the television money. I don't know how the sponsors are going to get their money, you know, out of this thing. So how does any bowl game really make money outside of the three major bowls that will be named? You know, the Rose Bowl is going to be one of the semifinal games. And then you have the, the other two because they're, they're given, you know, $6 million to, to each team, to each conference. And then there's this pot for travel, uh, you know, that we have talked about before, $2.4 million in travel expenses. But then, you know, you have the, these big pots for that. But for the, some of these smaller bowl games, I don't see how they can even go forward and think about having a game because they're not going to have any revenue to come back in. Well, they're not going to have the revenue. And the other thing that I just that just popped in my mind is, are we going to see more bowl games a little bit more regionalized than normal? You know, are they going to be looking at, you know, would the, would the bowl up in Boise, Idaho, would that be looking at a Florida State or something like that to bring them up there? Now, that's a bigger name, and it would help them yes. with the TV revenue. But would they want to travel up there for the amount of money they're going to get? Or would they say, you know what, we're going to pass on go cross, going cross-country this year because the revenue and everything else isn't going to be the same. So are, are we going to see bowls a little bit more like with, with regional type of things or something like that? It seems to me that that's a very real possibility. Like you said, the bigger bowls, the championships, they're going to travel wherever they want to because they are going to make money. But a lot of these other bowls, I guess the one thing that maybe some of those other bowls have going for them is when you watch them on TV and you go, wow, there's nobody in the stands. Well, this year that's going to be, be the case with all the bulls. But then you also wonder too, is it going to be more lucrative for a team to go, well, you know what? Let's go down to the bowl that's being played in Florida or in Texas where there are some fans and maybe a couple of our people can travel down there and put some butts in the seats. We know that Vegas, you mentioned the Las Vegas Bowl not being played. We know that Vegas has already lost some fights to other places. Are they going to lose some potential teams or something? Obviously not in the College Bowl Championship right, right now, but are, are they going to start losing other things? I don't know about you, but when I was watching the news the other day and they were showing the highlights of the NFR from Texas, it just seemed weird. Oh, of course. I mean, I remember yeah. just turning on TV or going in any casino locally here in town, and it's on all the TV screens. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right over at the Thomas and Mac, and you see the Cowboys all over and the, the silver saddle and the buckle and everything else around town. It, it, it doesn't even almost feel like it's December because that's not here. That's such an ingrained part of here. And you know that Texas is going to say, hey, we did a good job for you this year, and we took you when Vegas wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Every city's always trying to steal that thing from Vegas. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So when we look at the bowls right now, the uh, Frisco Bowl uh, was canceled. The SMU was playing in that game against Texas San Antonio. So a, a lot of these commitments have already went out. So we do have a list of games that are on schedule. There's only just a handful, though. So the uh, Myrtle Beach Bowl is going to be played on Monday. That's Appalachian State in North Texas. Tulane in uh, Nevada, the Wolfpack, are in a bowl game at the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, right? I believe, uh, you know, that is in, in Boise, yeah, Idaho. Yeah, I think that's the one that's exactly. up there, yeah. There you go. Uh, UCF and BYU, which should be a very good one. That's in the Boca Raton Bowl. 
that is going to be played on Tuesday as well. And again, BYU, one of those teams, like you mentioned, they they can travel on that. So and and being down there in Florida, they might allow some fans there. So maybe oh, BYU will. can yeah. bring yeah. some fans, yeah. not the conglomerate that they normally would, but the bigger boosters and people with some money. You know, at least they can get some representation. And we've seen UCF have fans at their home games this right. year. So this basically be a home game for them. Uh, next Wednesday, Louisiana Tech and Georgia Southern uh, will be in the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. And then Memphis and Florida Atlantic in the Montgomery Bowl, of course, in Montgomery, Alabama. And then on Thursday, Christmas Eve, Hawaii and Houston in the New Mexico Bowl. Now, how can you play this game in New Mexico when New Mexico has jettisoned both of their teams, the you know New Mexico and New Mexico State, New Mexico State's been playing in Arizona. New Mexico's been playing here at Sam Boyd Stadium. And I believe one of the school's <laughs> basketball teams is over in Texas right, right. now, at least so one of them. So how yeah. are we having a New Mexico Bowl? If, hey, TC, it's not going to be played in New Mexico. Guess where it's going to be played? Sam Boyd Stadium. Arizona. Fr Frisco, Texas. <laughs> there you go. Stevie Slapshot on the board. See, Steve, you got to hit the breaking news for yourself there. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. Our, our, on the, our on the spot reporter, Stevie Slapshot who is now not only at ice rinks across the National Hockey League, he is also hanging out in Frisco, Texas. Go ahead, Stevie. <laughs> no, I just, I, just, I just happened to know that because I remember when they made the announcement that the, and, and, the, and the actual Frisco Bowl gets canceled, right. that, that, that the only bowl that will be played in Frisco is the New Mexico Bowl. It, it's just 2020 is so bizarre, isn't it? Well, that, I mean, that makes sense since New Mexico is playing in Sam Boyd Stadium and UNLV's not playing anywhere. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who wants to go to Frisco, Texas? Has, has anybody been to Frisco, Texas? Am I missing something there? I, I have not been there. Yeah, I have I. not been there either. Okay. I, I'm not even sure what part of Texas. Texas is a pretty good-sized state. Western Kentucky and Georgia State in the Lending Tree Bowl. That will be the day after Christmas on the 26th. And uh, I believe uh, that game is, I have no idea where. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not in New Mexico. It's it, uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who knows? But those are the list of bowl games we have right now. And I would imagine come Sunday we'll have the unveiling of all these other ones. But a lot of these bowl games going through. And, again, your major bowls are going to happen. It is just too bad that we will not have the Las Vegas Bowl because that was going to be – one of the major bowls, especially being on Christmas Eve this year at Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like I say, I, I, I'm just trying to get through this weekend. <laughs> the, the bowl season coming up, and I know a lot of people love the bowls and they find it in, in advantages. The other thing that's going to be interesting this year, too, because what do we always say about bowl season? What's the kids' motivation? What's the motivation for all these bowls this year? Is it just, well, we get to play one more game. Uh, we've only played five games this season, so let's go out on a bang. Uh, do I just want to get the season over with? How many teams are going to maybe bow out of playing in a bowl game? We know LSU has already said they're going to. Now, it didn't look like they were a bowl team anyhow, but then they get the big win against Florida. So, so I'm sure that they would look attractive just because they're LSU to some bowl out there. And, and so, you know, will we see that? And even though teams go to bowl games, how many kids might say, you know what, I've already played the season and rolled the dice enough this year. I'm not going to that meaningless bowl in Frisco, Texas, or wherever else it yeah. might be. Yeah. And, again, you know, you're looking at the situation, too, where a lot of these college seniors 
are actually going to get an extra year of eligibility, which I think is fantastic. I mean, it's the one thing that the NCAA is doing the right thing with. And because, uh, again, hey, if you're in one of these teams that has only played, you know, four or five or six games, and you're thinking, wow, I just, you know, what, what a horrible way to go out. And especially for guys, and we've talked about this before, who are NFL potential, uh, you know, draft picks. You know, they haven't had enough time to really showcase their skills, especially guys that were you know, on the fringe. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because that kind of segs it over, and I know that uh, we're, we're, we're getting up against the breaker because we have Curtis Terry coming up. But I'm looking today, and I see all these high school kids making their commitments to college teams and people that did early commits that are transferring, and, you know, they're going to different schools now or whatever. But one of the things, you mentioned that with the, with the college seniors and that maybe getting a fifth year of eligibility. What does that do to these freshmen here? Are they going to expand rosters next year and make them even bigger for teams? Is it going to be that we're going to see more freshmen maybe redshirted for teams that have some seniors coming back? I don't know exactly how that plays into that. And how did you recruit this year if you are a college? How do you know who's a four-star, five-star? This state played football. This state didn't play football. This state played four games or something. It's like everything is so different this year. I know they're saying, like, what schools are doing the best because they always say that as far as recruitment goes. How do we know with so many places that didn't play high school football this season? That's true, yeah. And as you know, today is a huge day. This is National Signing Day. Right. So everyone is you know, t- announcing uh, their, their recruiting classes. And like I said, yeah, a lot of schools didn't even play football. or they had The Ohio State, by the know, way, did get the number one player in college football for a defensive end. So yeah. and, just got to throw that in. And one of the uh, headlines today was uh, Deion Sanders, who is now the head coach at Jackson State, apparently uh, – as they say, stole one of the uh, the top recruits from Georgia. Got a flip-flop. He got a flip-flop, exactly. He flip-flopped, and uh, he was a cornerback, uh, one of the, the top uh, top 20, top 25 cornerbacks in the nation, decided to decommit to Georgia. I think it was actually the number four cornerback yeah. and one of the top 25 players overall, and they showed the T-shirt that they had made up down there. It said, Mary Flipsmiss. <laughs> <laughs> think about that. You're going to be a Georgia Bulldog, and now you're going to be – the Jackson State uh, Tiger, I believe that and, is. And, and along with the, the Georgia Bulldogs is where he was going to go. He was being recruited by Alabama, yep. Auburn, and other big schools as well, and he's going down there. Believe it in primetime. Do we believe that primetime can be a successful head coach? Well, yeah. I, I know if the kid orders a pizza, he's going to rip it off from him. <laughs> <laughs> Deion Sanders, head coach at Jackson State. That would be interesting to see what would happen with a program like that if they turned into – to like a, a power like, like a Coastal Carolina yeah. or yeah. like some of yeah. the other schools that because we've seen jump up and make big moves. Because you remember back in the day, you know, Grambling and Southern was have been known for their halftime performances and their game and the bands and all that stuff. But back in the day, those two schools used to be pretty darn good. Jackson State, Walter Payton, you know, went, went to school there, of yep. course. You know, Doug Williams, Grambling, the list kind of goes on and on. They, <laughs> Jerry but, Rice way back in the day, Mississippi, Mississippi Valley State? State, correct Mundo, yeah. I mean. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> But there, you know, those there was a times when those programs they would be like nine and two or something like that, and they would they would crawl into the top twenty, top twenty-five. So and, and, and they nice. were the type of teams too that when they played a Power Five conference, nobody wanted to schedule them because yeah. they were scary enough. They might not have quite the size in that, but they had good coaching and enough players at the skilled positions that they could possibly pull an upset here and there against anybody. So and and that was one of the things too. It was tough for those teams to even get quality teams on their roster because everybody went like who wants to do that? You mentioned Appalachian State playing one of those bowl games. Who can forget the year that they beat Michigan way back when? Yes. And then everyone went, oh wow, this is actually a pretty good team. We just didn't know about them because they play down there. Right, right. 
All right, we will continue to update you on the bowl games. The full list will be announced on Sunday afternoon. But again, you know, college football championship weekend with all the conference championship games. We're looking forward to that coming up on Saturday. All right, we transition into college basketball. Obviously, a lot of local news happening here around the UNLV college basketball program. We will talk to Curtis Terry, the former Rebel, and who does a fantastic job on the radio side with the UNLV Radio Network. He joins us when we come back. It is the T.C. Martin Show, along with Frank Harnish, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Wednesday afternoon here at the Casa Ponte de Las Vegas. T.C. Martin along with Ballpark Frank inviting you to come on down and join us. We are here all week. And, of course, Friday, don't forget our best bet segment like we do each and every Friday. Uh, house full of guests uh, coming down on Friday as well, too. So we look forward to that. But get involved in the William Hill mobile app. It is so easy to use. The in-game wagering, all of your options there. But very, very important for you to get the app because you can get free money as well, too. Open up a William Hill account for the very first time you download it on your phone then you come over here to the cosmopolitan or any of the william hill sports books deposit at least fifty dollars into your account and they will match it with another fifty so free money to play with you can't beat it got to use the promo code tc50 use that code when you come here sign up whether it's the cosmopolitan any of the great sports books where william hill is located tc50 the promo code Fifty free dollars in your account when you open up a new account. And if you can't remember the fifty, just think of uh, Shaq's field goal percentage from the line, and uh, <laughs> it's right about fifty. So there you go. <laughs> you know who had a much better field goal percentage or free throw percentage than that is our next guest. He is a former UNLV run and rebel, and uh, played on a lot of those great teams for UNLV back in the day from 2004 to 2008, and uh, does a fantastic job uh, broadcasting the UNLV games as a color analyst. On the UNLV Basketball Radio Network, Curtis Terry joins us. Curtis, what's going on, my man? Nothing much, fellas. How you guys doing? We're doing great, man. We appreciate you taking the time and joining us today. Of course, of course. I think I've got a little bit of field goal, uh, free throw percentage than Shaq, just by a bit, though. There's no <laughs> doubt, man. I, I, I got you pegged in about about 76%, Curtis, at least. My, and my... I hope. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully I was at least hitting 80% of those, but... uh. That's good enough for me. As long as I'm better than Shaq, I can't complain. No doubt about it. All right, Curtis Terry joins us, the former UNLV running rebel. So, Curtis, you're around this program, the UNLV basketball program, quite a bit, as we know. And, uh, you know, right yesterday we get the announcement that head coach T.J. Otzelberger tested positive for COVID. Uh, this program has been put on pause until further notice. We know they lost two non-conference home games this past week. They were supposed to play Pepperdine on Monday night, Eastern Washington last week. The Mount West Conference opener against Wyoming has now been postponed. So all basketball activities for UNLV has been shut down. And as we know, Curtis, uh, this, is, uh, this is something that's going on not just here in Vegas, but there are 26 other programs that are feeling the effects that have been put on pause, including number two, Baylor. You know, they lost their game against Gonzaga last week. Everyone was looking forward to that game a week ago last Saturday, number one against number two. But uh, tell us what information you can give us surrounding the UNLV program as it stands right now. Uh, you know, I, you mentioned I'm in close contact with these guys, and I am, but I haven't been since we got back from Kansas State. Um, so it's been 11, 10 days. 
Um, I guess luckily from my standpoint that I haven't been around them. Um, but I just know just as much as, about as everybody else does. I mean, obviously the program has been stopped kind of in its tracks as of right now. I know guys are kind of confined to their apartments, um, not able to get any workouts in. Kind of everybody's going through that quarantine phase right now because of Coach's positive test. Uh, but uh, along with other programs across the country, you just hope that for the Rebels, it doesn't spread and doesn't become bigger uh, a bigger outbreak than it already is uh, because you've seen other programs have to shut down for, for more than 10 days or 14 days. And you mentioned the other teams that have had games lost. I know my brother Jason, he's coaching at Arizona with Sean Miller, um, and they just had their game tonight against Cal Baptist postponed, postponed or canceled as of about an hour and a half ago. So, I mean, these things are coming quick and coming fast. Um, it's the important thing is for everybody to do their part because everybody's looking for the escape of sports and, and, and college athletics. So we just hope the guys can stay safe and healthy until they can get back out there on the court. I know. You know, the thing about it is this is happening everywhere. I know we were ta- I was talking to Tracy Murray yesterday, and, you know, he does the, the great job with the UCLA Bruins Network, and he's a, he's a good friend. He comes on the show. And they, for the second time, their game against Long Beach State was canceled again last night. So, and, and again, hours before, you know, tip-off, we're, we're getting word of this. So, and again, you've been on the, on the road with this team. You know how, how fluid a situation this is. Here's the thing that's kind of mind-boggling, Curtis, is there's usually aren't a lot of specifics that we get with college mm-hmm. programs. And this is regarding, you know, football as well as basketball, you know, regarding the positive test for COVID. We usually don't hear a person's name that's affiliated with it, or if it is a coach, then maybe we hear uh, about it. Uh, we heard that a person in the UNLV program was infected last week. Now we find out that T.J. Altsberger has it. I mean, do you know what happened last week, last week and a half, if this was, uh, it was players, it was coaches, it was staff members, uh, or was everything just tight-lipped? Yeah, it's pretty tight-lipped. I mean, I, I know when, when the news came out last week and they had to cancel the Eastern Washington game, uh, I was curious and concerned because I had just been with the team previously for the last, I mean, 10 days we were on the road in between being in Asheville for the Maui Invitation and then going to Manhattan, Kansas to play Kansas State. So me personally, I was curious and and inquiring about what was going on just for the safety of myself and my family and everybody that I had been around. Um, But they weren't sharing too much information. And I get it because in terms of HIPAA and privacy laws, uh, and at the end of the day, again, these are young men that we're talking. We're talking 17 to to 22 years old. And there's there's a lot of things that they're going through, and that's information that I know if I was in their position, I wouldn't want that information to be out because of just the day that we live in with social media um, and technology and word spreads fast and whether it's true or not. I mean, there's a lot of variables that go into it. So I understand why we're not hearing as much about specific players from the college standpoint as to where the professional ranks were pretty much getting the names of who it is um, and they're kind of releasing that information more so because of professionals. But I think, like you said, it's just a fluid situation that everybody has to kind of deal with. Um, and I was talking with somebody in the program the other day, and it was about whether or not we're going to be able to go to, to Wyoming before they obviously made a decision to postpone those games. And the conversation was, if you get on the plane, you know we're going. So it's one of those things to where you've got to kind of play it by ear. Um, and I was actually about an hour and some change out from heading to the Thomas and Mac um, on Monday for the game against Pepperdine when, when we all got the news. So I uh, just got to adjust and, and be ready to, to make maneuvers on the fly. Curtis, there seems to be a lot of different thoughts right now about what is going on. Uh, Coach K has come out and said that everybody's trying to plow through this and soldier through. Other people think that they should just keep on playing the games. We see games canceled, like you mentioned, on a day-to-day basis and sometimes almost right before tip-off. 
in your opinion, should they be playing college basketball right now? Should they take a pause, or should the teams that are eligible and get a chance to play just stay out there and keep on trying to do what they're doing, get in as many games as possible right now? Is there a right or wrong answer? Because I don't know for sure. I think it depends on who you ask. I think there, there's plenty of opinions based on whether it's right or wrong, if they should or should not be playing. But I think there's a, a bunch of different variables and factors as to why they're trying to play, whether it be financially uh, to keep these universities and programs afloat um, with those advertising dollars. Uh, but then from a the player standpoint, I mean, these guys, they want to play. They're in school. They're still going to school. But they want to play basketball. And I know that UNLV, as well as other programs across the country, they're taking all the precautions they can to keep these young men safe um, and young women on the female side. But it's, it's a situation where you can only do so much. I know when we were in Nashville, I mean, there was daily testing. Um, I know these guys here are going through like three days of test, three days a week of testing. Um, I mean, there was a stretch where I had been tested, I think, like 11 times out of like 14 possible days. Um, and I'm all for it because everything you can do to make the game happen, I think, is important because it does give people an escape. Because you think about it, people have been home and locked down since, since March. And now we're going on, I mean, it's December 16th. I mean, you're coming to Christmas and the New Year, then you're saying we're only three months out from making it a full year. So I understand that trying to get to sports and get the escape, but the opportunities for these young men, whether they're not they're going to be able to come back next year and play or if that's kind of in the, in the career arc or path for them, I understand it. So I could argue both sides of it. Um, I love to see the guys play, specifically UNLV. I mean, I, I live to watch those guys play and be able to call the games. It's a privilege. But I think it's a very slippery slope of whether you do or you don't. And so I think everybody's trying to do the best they can with the situation because I think if you take sports out of it completely, it's going to cause more harm than trying to make the most of what you can, whether or not you have to postpone or cancel a couple games here and there. But I think it's all about timing of when these outbreaks happen because if it happens in mid-January, then you're in jeopardy of losing almost your your entire uh, conference season. You know, there's so many factors that goes into this with the college basketball, whether, you know, it's, it's the financial situation, it's eligibility, it's all, all those things. But I think really you go back to what happened last year with the conference, most of the conference tournaments getting canceled there at the beginning of March, uh, you know, not having you know, March Madness, having the NCAA tournament, the NIT, all of those just going by the wayside. So I think that you know, where Coach K is talking about, hey, you know, the NCAA just kind of has their mindset, hey, they, they want to continue to plow through, kind of like what we're seeing with the NFL. Let me ask you, I mean, do you think that we're going to have at least some sort of regular season, or does this season get derailed altogether and what we saw happen in March happen again here? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope we get to get through the whole season, obviously. And everybody loves March Madness and being able to have the atmosphere of the tournament. But realistically, it's, I think from my standpoint, it's always been a, how much of a season are we going to get through? Obviously, you've seen some teams have missed numerous games. Um, I mean, New Mexico, as of just last week, hadn't played a game yet. And you're talking about other teams started right around Thanksgiving. And so I, I think it just becomes, it comes down to your situation uh, and how well your young men are able to police themselves. But then again, there's factors to where you can't control because you can get it if you're just, you know what I mean? Obviously, if you're by somebody, walking by somebody or near somebody in a store or at a restaurant. And so it's, it's hard to say how much we're going to get through the season. Obviously, UNLV is going to lose at least two games. If these two games that are supposed to play this coming weekend in Wyoming are going to get rescheduled, we'll see if the, if the schedule can accommodate it. But I think everybody's trying to do the best they can and get as much basketball in as they can. But I also can understand the concept of trying to make March Madness stay on schedule because if you push it any further into the end of the school year, then you've got kids graduating and then making life decisions to move on. Um, or if kids are transferring or just going different routes, 
and then you're impacting the season for next year. And I think we're kind of seeing that with why the NBA was so adamant on starting before Christmas so they can get as much of their schedule in because then you've got the Olympics that are rescheduled from this past summer to next summer, and then you're trying to get back onto your regular schedule of starting the NBA season in the end of October. So I think the timing of it is not just trying to make sure things happen now, but trying to get back on track for your normal schedule in the future moving forward. But I think it's just it's so fluid of a situation, so unpredictable that it's a day-by-day thing, and you're seeing where, I mean, if you refresh your Twitter timeline or you, you check out the new headlines, things are changing by the second. And it's just uh, it's unfortunate, but it's the times that we're living in right now. Former UNLV runner Rebel Curtis Terry joins us, radio analyst for the UNLV Radio Network. Curtis, when it comes to March Madness, and there's been a lot of talk about that this year, and I know TC just kind of asked you about this, but do you think if there is a tournament this year, and we all hope that there is, whether it's March, April, or May Madness, if they have to push it back, are you in favor of a bubble scenario? There's been talk about doing everything maybe in Indiana and Indianapolis or someplace where they can have all the teams in a basically a, a general area or something like that in the same place to be a bubble, or do you think that's not a likely scenario? Uh, well, I, I think from my perspective, we saw what the NBA did over the summer, right, with their bubble down at Disney World, and it was very successful. If you can contain everybody in one location, you're going to have more success more opportunity to get through that portion of games that you're trying to play. Because when we were in Asheville um, for the relocated Maui Invitational, I mean, there was those eight teams there, and there was no there was no positive test that we're aware of. No games were postponed or canceled. But then you see Mohegan Sun at, at Bubbleville. They had a couple different things pop up and get delayed um, or postponed. And then down in Florida as well, they had some situations. So I think that's your best bet to you know, be able to, to steamroll through it. But even then, you're going to have situations pop up like they did at, at Mohegan Sun. And it's... You're trying to do the best you can, but I don't know if it's if it's realistically going to happen. I mean, that's just a lot to to coordinate in terms of logistics, right? And having all those all those teams and all those people in, in one general area, if it's in Indianapolis, do they have the bandwidth to be able to have enough arenas to be able to schedule the games? Uh, but then, what happens if a team does have a, an outbreak here or there? It's a situation where, again, you're trying to do the best you can, and everybody loves March Madness and wants to see these young men get an opportunity. But to what degree do we risk their safety? And I'm all for the safety of the student athlete and the coaches because I was in their shoes, and there's nothing more important. Just you're safe and healthy no matter who you are. And if you can do more above and beyond that, they're trying to do so. But it's just a waiting game because right now, I mean, with the schedule change for UNLV, I mean, now we're looking at not having a game for 30 days in between Kansas State and their next game. So a lot can happen with that. I think it's bad timing for the Rebels because they were starting to play well on the court. But then you have the shutdown and being away from the gym and being able to, to work out and just lose kind of some of that chemistry that you had. So I think a lot of different factors go into resuming your season and being able to pick up where you left off. We've seen this in college football where they are going to grant seniors a, another year of eligibility. Do you think this happens in college basketball as well, especially if, if we're losing so many games? Do you think that they would go with that decision as well too to grant these guys an extra year? I think so. I think you do if you really have the best interest of student-athletes at heart. You give them the opportunity to compete, and whether that's getting a fifth year, some guys maybe getting a sixth year. But the issue I see with that comes into recruiting in terms of scholarship limits and scholarship numbers and roster and building your roster out. And so your recruiting classes are going to change because, I mean, if you don't lose any guys off a team where you say you're projected to lose two or three, you don't really have the spots to bring those other guys in. So I think that's a whole other conversation in and of itself. But I, I don't think that these young men should lose their season. Should it be, you know I mean, 
cut here at say mid-January and they don't get to finish it, I think they, they should be able to get that year back if they choose to at their current institution if they, and if not. And I think they should be allowed to go somewhere else to be able to complete their at their college eligibility that they have. You spoke about recruiting there. When it comes to recruiting, how difficult is it for coaches this year to do recruiting when you have some states playing full seasons in basketball, other states playing partial seasons, some states maybe not playing anything at all? I mean, some kids, the last time that we saw them in competitive basketball might have been as a junior. They might not even have a senior year or certainly not the senior year that you normally anticipate them to have leaving high school. I'm glad I'm not in their shoes in terms of those coaches that have to recruit those guys because it's hard to do. Because like you said, you maybe then I have not seen a kid since March. Um, and, and so much can change whether a kid grows, whether a kid improves his skill set, he's a late bloomer, and could, could be garnering potential opportunities that just aren't there right now because of the current landscape. But from a player standpoint, I feel bad for him. I mean, obviously, I work closely with a lot of high school programs here in town um, during, during the day when I'm doing my day job and I'm doing fundraising. And I work with a lot of these basketball programs in town and so it was a lot of conversation of, uh, we don't know if we're going to have a season, maybe, maybe not, so we're not going to do our fundraising yet, but we know these kids need an opportunity, and then they end up canceling the season, and now you've got kids that don't get a senior season. Um, and that means a lot, just not because if they're going to go on and continue their playing career, but for senior night, to have that kind of that senior experience, uh, to have your homecoming, to have your prom, like those types of things are special moments. You guys know is, is when you're in high school, obviously – your guys' time was a little longer than mine, <laughs> but those those are important things as as a you know what I mean as a young man or young girl developing and going off to college to start your life as an adult that these kids aren't going to have. And so I know they're trying to make concessions and trying to put in plans in place to get these kids opportunities if something does change when you get to February, March. But it's just a lot of unknown, and I think that's the worst part about it because as adults we can better handle we're better equipped to handle these unknown situations. But for some of these high school age kids, I mean, it's, it, for them not to have consistency of school and practice um, and extracurricular activities, I mean, you see a lot of kids are struggling in the classroom. And I think it's going to come full circle in terms of where, where things are going to ultimately end up. And I think, unfortunately, this year is going to be a wash for some kids in terms of athletically in high school, um, in terms of the recruiting game as well, because it's a, a lot of variables in terms of what you think you're going to be recruited and go to get to play at UNLV because the numbers are going to be different, but they end up being the same because these guys aren't able to move on because they're getting their seasons back, which I'm all for. But, again, there's a lot that goes into it, and a lot of people have some skin in the game at the end of the day. All right, Curtis Terry joined us. Well, you mentioned, Curtis, uh, your Maui plans got detoured a little bit. You got rerouted to Asheville, North Carolina, but we were it was still called the Maui Invitational. Uh, the big question I got for you, were, were you still uh, allowed to wear lays uh, during the course of the game? Did you get any beach barbecue, any roasted pig in Asheville? That's what I want. Did they transport all that from Hawaii? Because that's part of the no. party. I know. I was still wait. I was still waiting to put my toes in the sand and haven't been able to do it. Um, but it's, but the fact the fact of the matter is that they were able to make that quick transition that the city of Asheville was gracious enough to accommodate um, and put on a, still a quality event. And the and the facility was great at the Cherokee Event Center. Um, the hotel accommodations, the, the safety and security around the whole the whole event. Well, I mean, was first was first class and was top notch. Uh, but me selfishly definitely sad that we didn't get to go to Maui because I was planning on taking my wife. We were going to have grandma fly down and watch the kids here in Vegas. Me and the wife would go to, to Maui with the team. I'd call a couple of games. We'd relax on the beach. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get to do that again here in four years if Maui invites the Rebels back. Uh, I think they should, but uh, I guess it's a waiting game. Well, more, more importantly, what was the best uh, piece of food that you got in Asheville, North Carolina? That's what I want to know. 
Uh, man, when I when I did Postmates one night, uh, actually it was Grubhub out there, DoorDash, whatever it was. I okay. did that a couple nights. The rest of the meals we ate with the team. I mean, because we didn't we didn't get to leave the hotel, um, and that's uh, another situation that you, you think these guys got to they've got to play with. I mean, they don't have the ability to have freedom to, to even go outside to walk around. I mean, you're really confined, and so the fact that these college athletes are able to function and still compete at a high level and also do a great job in the classroom, um, like this specific group of Rebels has done, um, you've got to tip your hat to them because I know even as an adult, I was going stir crazy and I was just sitting there and I wasn't even playing any games. And so the fact that they had so many things to juggle, you've got to tip your hat to them because they're the, they're the, real, the real heroes and the real ones putting the best foot forward and leading by example because they have to practice what everybody's preaching in terms of social distancing, masking, and, and being and safe and sanitary. Uh, these guys are really putting that foot forward and, and leading by example. And so hopefully the rest of community here in Las Vegas and across the world can do what we have to do to calm this problem until we all can get vaccinated, if that's what comes of it, uh, so we can get back to what we knew as normal, even though this has become our new normal now for the last eight or so months. <laughs> you know, Curtis, one thing that people uh, keep on trying to do is find positives at this time. If there's a positive yeah. for you right now with some of these games being canceled, uh, maybe you've had a chance to check out a little bit more college basketball, some other teams that you wouldn't be seeing because you'd be doing games. Uh, have you seen a team right now that really stands out to you as the team of this season, or is there too small of a sample size right now with everything going on? I, for me personally, I think it's too small of a sample size uh, because you see like UNLV, we didn't play great against Montana State, but then they had a great six minutes against North Carolina, and then they played a heck of a game at Kansas State on the road. Uh, but then you see other teams where Duke, I mean, you don't expect Duke to lose at home at Cameron Indoor, but then they, they lose a couple games there. And, and a, a lot of different variables and factors, but I think the one team that definitely stands out, COVID or no COVID, is Gonzaga. And what they're able to do up there in Coach Mark Hugh with those guys up in Spokane at the Kennel, they've put together a great program. It's a program I've been able to follow from, from being born and raised on the western side of the state of Washington right. in Tacoma. Um, and, and they've seen that thing kind of build up, and, and they're still generating it. Now they're getting the big-time recruits, and they're getting the transfers and putting it together. So I think Coach Hugh, they've done a great job. And you can see that the seamlessness of having some returning guys plays a factor into your success at the start of the season toward teams like UNLV, you've got a lot of new guys and new faces, and you don't get the opportunity to have a spring, to have a summer. UNLV didn't get their foreign tour. You don't get a real full fall uh, preseason. It takes time to get up to speed and get those pieces clicking. As you saw the Rebels start to do before things got kind of brought to a stop, but teams that are older and more mature and more experienced, like Gonzaga, like some of these older teams, they're able to kind of seamlessly put this thing together Whereas you see Kentucky, those kind of one-and-done typical schools, they're having it's really rough for them as of right now getting out of the gates because Coach K, uh, Coach Calipari hasn't had the time to kind of mold and shape those guys just like TJ and the staff didn't have the opportunity to do here with the Rebels over the course of that offseason. Final thing for you, Curtis, UNLV 1-4. and four. Coming off that win, they lost their first four contests and they lost the, the home opener very shockingly to Montana State. But they did, like you said, coming off that win against K-State. What's your observation after five games with these Rebels? I think the future is bright for this group. And I was, in the whole time, I was saying it's going to take some time, just like it did last year with the team. They started to peak at the right time. But with this group, they've got the talent, and they've got the, the leadership in terms of Marvin Coleman. They've got the returning big man inside with Mbake Jong. Uh, but then you've got two great scorers that have proven they can do it in Bryce Hamilton and then an incoming transfer, David Jenkins. And they've showed at Kansas State what this team can be. And then you add in Caleb Grill, and you add in Nick Blake off the bench, uh, Devin Tillis. Um, at Odell Cadia. I mean, there's a lot of pieces that with time and just reps that they're going to put it together. And you started to see that at Kansas State. 
I think it's unfortunate timing for them because now they're going to have such a long layoff, almost a month in between games. It's a matter of if they, when are they going to be able to get back to practice, start to kind of resharpen their tools, and then be able to put this together. The bad thing is you've got San Diego State, that next game coming out of this pause, and we all know what the Aztecs um, are capable of doing, especially last year, but even this year, they've picked up right where they left off, even without NBA draft pick Malachi's wing. Mm-hmm. Curtis, great stuff, my friend. Uh, great having you on the show. I look forward to talking with you quite a bit during the course of this basketball season. Hopefully we get as many games in as humanly possible. Uh, love the analysis. You do a great job on the radio side, and uh, always a pleasure to talk with you, my man. Thank you, fellas. And by the way, Frisco, Texas is, is in North Dallas. It's north of Dallas by about 25, 30 minutes. I played for the Texas Legends, so I know exactly where that's Frisco right. is. That's right. There you go. The Texas Legends. There you go. All right. Don't forget. He's played everywhere. Played in Japan. He played here at UNLV. Yeah. I, I was going to just ask my brother because he used to live in Dallas, so I'm sure he probably knew that, but uh, I don't need to know. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Take the Dallas North Tollway north from Dallas, from downtown Dallas, straight up the Tollway to Frisco. <laughs> Hopefully we can get some good barbecue in Frisco, Texas. That's what I want to know. No, I, you, you can definitely get that. <laughs> How come I'm the one that looks like I eat all the time, but you're the one that's always got food on his mind? Because that's how, that's how I roll, man. That's it. That's it. You know, how, you know what the important things are, you know? Sports, music, and, and food. Not necessarily in that order. Well, all I know is that Curtis uh, knows a lot about basketball, and he called us both old, I believe. Yeah. That, 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 that didn't go over too well. I mean, Curtis. he ain't yeah. wrong. But... Hey, you, you, you guys, you got to understand, now that I'm around these young guys with the team, I mean, these guys, are you're talking 18 years old, and I feel old. So, I, I and only out of respect, I, I give you guys that honor of being old. Hey, Curtis, <laughs> we're veterans, okay? We're vets. Hey, old, there, there you nothing go. wrong with having a seasoned vet on the team. There you go, brother. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot. Take care and uh, enjoy your time. Enjoy your Christmas. And uh, you got a little extended time before UNLV gets back on the court, but we look forward to hooking up with you really soon. For sure. Thank you, fellas. Happy holidays. You guys stay safe. We'll see you soon. Perfect. There he is, a former Rebel himself, Curtis Terry, played on those great teams from 2004 to 2008, Long Kruger, and uh, is, went and played uh, professionally for about five years as well, too. And again, he knows Frisco, Texas. Yeah, and, and I guess it's better to be a seasoned vet than a senile one. We're not quite there yet, so... <laughs> Speak for yourself, my friend, okay? We are live at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. Are you saying you are senile? I was trying to give us a compliment. Okay. Hey, I just wait until after the show's over so I can go get some great food here at the Cosmopolitan, go up to the the ice rink tonight. You're hitting the ice. I'm I'm hitting the ice tonight. I'm looking forward to it, having a great time. There it is. It's the birthday week. we got the celebration. I would say it started tonight, but it started already earlier on. And and Double J can be there tonight to uh, give us the latest insight on what's going on with the Internet trolls and everything of, uh, of the big... Non-fight fights coming up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Julie Jewell is going to be breaking it down for us. Exactly. Our, uh, our our pop culture reporter. There you go. All right. When we come back, Steve Berline is going to join us. We start talking some NFL, and we're going to start breaking down these college bowl games. And Scott Spritzer as well, too. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas.